Father, we thank you so much for the light of your love that you have revealed through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we once walked in darkness, but because of his saving light and love, you have delivered us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. So Lord, now we ask that by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we might see you, Jesus, as the light of the world, that we might walk in your light and have life. Lord, bring your gospel alive to us. Open your word to us and illumine to us the hope that we have in you. We pray for your sake and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Last week, we saw Jesus after the Feast of Tabernacles back in the temple courts. And we heard the first part of this story. And we saw in the state of this woman, but also in the state of the accusers of this woman, the dark nature of sin which overshadows all of us. And last week we were reminded that we have a great need. We have a really great need. Are you aware of what our need is and how great that need is? Because without it, we can't see God. Without it, we can't see who God is and who we are. We can't see who God has made us to be. Without it, we can't see the true meaning and purpose of life. We are in darkness, and we must have light. That is our great need. Light. Light. And we don't possess this light within us. In fact, by nature, we are in darkness. We are uh, overshadowed by darkness and we walk in darkness. We need light. Um, have any of y'all ever been to Longhorn Caverns? It's, it's a great day trip. It's about an hour and 45 minutes from here. And um, at Longhorn Caverns, they walk you down to the very bottom of the caverns, and then they give this little warning to, uh, you know, people with heart conditions and pregnant women and kids and whatever, that they're uh, about to do something, um, and if you, don't, if you don't want to experience it, you can, you can leave. And, and when I was there, a couple of people actually left. They didn't, they didn't want the full tour. But those who remained, what they do is they, they turn off the lights down there. And they give you an experience of total darkness, of what, it, what pitch blackness is like. And when you're down there, like hundreds of feet below the surface, and they turn the lights out, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. It is really uncomfortable. If you've never experienced utter darkness, pitch black... I would encourage you to go to Longhorn Cavern State Park. 
Great trip for you and the whole family, friends, whatever. But that is our spiritual state. We're spiritually blind. We're lost and we're aimlessly groping in the dark. And we must have light. We must have light, not just to live, but to know God, to know what God is like, and to know what his purposes are for us in this life and in the next. And this is where John turns his testimony this morning. If you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 8, we're going to be looking at one verse, verse 12. And here is yet another example of how John wants to help us to see Jesus, the Messiah and the Son of God, so that by seeing him and by believing him, we might have life in his name. And it's so easy to uh, read this verse and not understand the context within which Jesus is teaching. It's so easy to see this on a t-shirt or a coffee mug and just go, yeah, yeah. And not really understand the depth with which Jesus is speaking. Let's, uh, let's step into the context of what's going on. You, you remember what's happening. This is right after the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, a week-long feast that celebrates God's provision. And this is the day after that week-long celebration. This is Monday morning. Tired, sleepy Monday morning. Can you imagine what the temple courts would have looked like after a whole week of worship and celebration and uh, rejoicing before the Lord? This is, this is Monday morning, and Jesus has got, he's already, he woke up early. He woke up early to go and pray and to get direction and guidance from the Father. Remember, Jesus doesn't do anything unless the Father tells him. So he's gone, he's prayed. The Father uh, sends him back into the temple. And so there he is in the temple courts. In fact, He's in the court of women. It's the outer court. It's one of the largest courts. And remember that as he came back, a large crowd had gathered to see him, to hear him. And it's in this moment in the court of women that these scribes and Pharisees bring uh, this woman to him and this incredible encounter where he doesn't condemn her, he forgives her. He doesn't uh, shame her. He accepts her. And uh, she experiences the love and the life of believing in Christ. And her whole life is transformed as Jesus says, don't go sin anymore. Now you have new life and that life is in me. She is uh, a, a testimony of coming to the living water and being provided for completely. And so Jesus has, has just... Uh, had this incredible encounter uh, with this woman who's, who's now standing beside her and her accusers have gone away one by one. And this large crowd of people in the court of women is now looking at Jesus. Every eye is on Jesus. Every ear is open to Jesus. They want to hear more of who he is. They want to, they want to know more of what he has to teach. 
This is the backdrop. This is the canvas. This is the context with which Jesus says one of the most epic things in all of Scripture. But before we talk about what he says, we have to understand what's going on. So just as we talked about the uh, water pouring celebration that would have happened on the last and greatest day of the feast that signified God's provision, there's another ceremony that happens during the Feast of Tabernacles that everybody would have remembered. Uh, It would have taken place uh, every single evening when the sun went down. Um, it would have gone on every single night during the festival. This is the uh, ceremony of the illumination of the temple. Think the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. That's, That's how big of a deal this was for the people of God. Every night for an entire week, And try and imagine what it would have looked like uh, in the temple courts. The the Levites, right, the the tribe that God uh, assigned to lead temple worship, they would have started up on uh, an upper court, up on a wall. Um, They would have started the ceremony of illumination. And they would have started it with... um, There would have been trumpets, there would have been harps, there would have been a lot of music, and they would sing 15 psalms, starting with Psalm 120. So imagine them up on a wall, and they would, with loud music, and there there are a lot of Levites, and they they would be singing the psalms, okay? And there were 15 steps that came down into the court of women. So there is one song for each step. Would have taken a little while. Lots of pageantry, right? So 15 psalms, 15 steps, the Levites and the Levitical choir would have come down and they would have come down into the court of women. And in the court of women would have been four gigantic menorahs. These four big menorahs made of gold. Now, when I say big, I mean big. They were almost 75 feet tall. Okay? Four giant menorahs, 75 feet tall. And on each one, there were four big bowls, golden bowls filled with olive oil. And then there would be wicks in each one of these bowls. These wicks would have been made from the uh, old garments of the priests. And so the, the Levitical choir would have processed down 15 psalms, 15 steps. They would have come to these four great ginormous menorahs and they would have lit them. And we read in the Mishnah, which is like a Jewish commentary, that when these lights were lit, it not only lit up the entire temple, it cast light over the entire city of Jerusalem. And that these lights could be seen from miles and miles and miles away. This is the ceremony of light the illumination ceremony that happened at the Feast of Tabernacles every single night. 
in the court of women around these great, huge menorahs. Now, it just so happens that Jesus is standing right there in the court of women. What is it that they have symbolized? What is it that they have just remembered every night for the past week? These menorahs and this light signified the presence and the protection and the guidance of God. So just as the water ceremony signified the provision of God, the illumination ceremony signified the presence, the protection, and the guidance of God. If you want three Ps to say the path to God. For those of you who are taking notes. Um, we find in, um, in Exodus 13, this, is, this might be cool to read later this week. In Exodus 13, it says, The Lord went with them and ahead of them, and he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire, and this allowed them to travel by day or by night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. These four great lights signify the presence and the protection and the guidance of God who walked with them, wandered with the Israelites in the desert and made himself known through a cloud of smoke and a pillar of fire. That's what they represent. And so they're remembering their story as the people of God. And that as they wandered in the desert, God was with them. This, this uh, presence of God by day is, is like a cloud. And at night, it's not something different. It's the same thing, but it's like a pillar of fire. And wherever the Israelites went, God was with them. And wherever God went, they were with God. In fact, we read more in Numbers chapter 9. Here's, here's how it unfolds. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And whenever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. And sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days, so the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. And then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. And sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. And whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. Do you see what's going on here? The lights signify 
the presence of God, just as God was present with them for 40 years in the desert. And no matter what was going on with the Israelites, no matter how hungry they were, no matter how thirsty they were, they never had to worry about whether or not God was with them because God gave them a manifest sign of his presence, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was with them. He made his presence known. And when the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud stayed, they stayed. And by his presence, through this cloud and this fire, God trained his people to trust in him, to obey him, to follow him where he went, and to be with him when he stayed. And so these great lights remind them of God's presence among them and their identity as a people whom God is with. But the cloud and the pillar also was the way that God protected his people for 40 years in the desert. Think about it. Um, in, In this part of the world in, in this desert, the temperatures are extreme. It could get, uh, during the day, it could get up to 140, 150 degrees. It was hot, okay? So if you're going to live 40 years outside in that kind of heat, what do you need? Shade. You need some clouds. You need some shade. And so, and so what God does is he covers his people, and they're not just a few people. He covers his people with this cloud to protect them from the heat, to keep them from dying of heat stroke and exhaustion. And and at night, it's a pillar of fire. Why? Because in the desert, temperatures uh, change drastically, and it could get down to freezing. And at night, when it's freezing, you need warmth. And not only you, but your animals that are providing you sustenance need warmth. And so the pillar of fire not only represents God's presence among his people, but it provides warmth for his people and their animals. His presence and his protection that they may live, that they may have life, that they may trust in him and know that he is with them. And that's, that's what they're thinking. That's what they're remembering as they worship around these huge lights, that God is with them, that God protects them, and that God guides them. Because whenever the light moved, they moved. Whenever the light stayed, they stayed. They were under the authority, under the presence, under the protection of God. This is really important because in a desert, there's not a lot of landmarks. It's easy to go in circles. And even if there were landmarks, I mean, they've been in Egypt for a long time. They wouldn't have known what they were. And not only that, you know, if you've ever been outside in a desert for any period of time, or you've seen movies about it, you know that like mirages happen. And it's like, it's all distorting when you're out in the middle of nowhere like that. And so God gives them the original GPS. God provided sign. It's, 
You can tweet that later. Uh, it, it is God's presence, God's protection, and God's sign of where to go and when to stay. Now, it's not just remembering the past and God's presence and protection uh, and guidance with them in the past. It's, it's also remembering that the glory of God, the presence of God um, was over the ark in the temple and that his presence continued. And it's not only about his current presence and protection and guidance among them. It's about the future promise of his guidance and protection that will be fulfilled. This comes from the prophet Isaiah. You can read this later in Isaiah 9. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is a prophetic word about what God promises to do. And those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them light has shined, and you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy, and they rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. How will this happen? When will this happen? What will be the sign for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is the promise that the people of God were hoping for, were looking for, were expecting that the light of God would come and be with them in Messiah. So, the Feast of Tabernacles is over. The ceremony of illumination has happened every single night. People have celebrated and rejoiced and remembered God's presence, his protection, his guidance, and his promise. And now it's the day after. In the court of women. And Jesus is standing with this forgiven, transformed, loved, accepted woman beside him. His accusers have departed one by one, and every eye and every ear is upon Jesus. What will he say? And the menorahs are there, but they're not lit. And the temple, the Holy of Holies, is right behind him, and the Shekinah glory is not there. And it's at this epic moment that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus unquestionably identifies himself as the Messiah. 
This is a radical moment. This is an epic moment. Jesus is saying, I am the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Jesus is saying that I am the very presence of God. The word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He shined his light in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is saying, that's me. If you are in relationship with me, you're in relationship with the Father here and now and forever. Jesus is saying, I am the presence of God. And all of the promises of the coming light, all of the promises of the coming presence of God and Messiah are fulfilled right here and right now in me. Jesus is saying, I am God's protection. Which is good because we need protection. Life heats up. In our relationship with our friends and our relationship with our roommates or our spouses in our relationship with our children in our relationship at work life heats up but we don't have to have our anger burn within us we don't have to um, heat up and blow up just because the circumstances around us are hot and blowing up. In Christ, we have shelter. In Christ, we have shade. In Christ, we have rest and relief. And in him, there is peace. There is peace that leads to life and life that fills us that we might give it away like him. And he doesn't just bring the, the coolness of his peace. He also brings the warmth of his love. How many of you have ever been outside, it's really cold, and so you started a fire, and you've sat around that fire with a group of friends, and it could have been 20 degrees, you could have been 11,000 feet on the side of a mountain, it could have been snowing or raining all day, but when you come around that fire and you huddle together with a group of friends, you know that the warmth and the light of that fire changes everything. It dries you out, it warms you up, and it completely boosts your morale. And that's the light, the warmth of the love of Christ in our lives. And as the people of God, as the church of God, as the community of God, we are huddled together around Jesus, experiencing the light and the warmth of his love, sharing that with one another. 
and then turning outside the circle and looking for those who need that warmth and that light and those friendships with us and inviting them into the circle that they too may experience the presence and the protection of the Messiah. Jesus is the presence of God. He is the protection of God. He is the way to be in relationship with God. Where he goes, we go. How he speaks, we speak. How he loves, we love. How he serves, we serve. And we know that in Christ, in Christ in us, there's life to the full. He satisfies our every need. He becomes the meaning of our lives. And we not only live for ourselves, we live for him who died and rose for us. And we give his life away everywhere we go in every sphere of influence that we have. He's the presence of God. He is the protection of God. He is the path of God. The light of Christ is holy and pure and he pushes back the darkness and enables us to see the glory of God and our desperate need of him. This is the proclamation of the gospel. It's what happens to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus where he is blinded by the light and the glory of Christ. And the one who once persecuted Christ and arrested and tortured followers of Christ has a life-transforming moment as radical as the woman in the court of women that day. We see it in Acts 26. And God says, Jesus says to Paul, I'm sending you out to rescue people. I'm sending you out to rescue them by opening their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. And they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me, Jesus says. And that's our message. That's the message of every follower of Jesus who holds out this ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ. It's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, the God of this age had blinded the minds of unbelievers like the Pharisees and the and the scribes and the religious leaders that day. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so we don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ as Messiah and King and ourselves as his servants for his sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. And he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's the hope that we have and the hope that we hold out. Jesus is the presence of God. He is the protection of God. He is the path to God. 
And he is also the fulfillment of the promise. Fulfilled in our lives today, but one day being completely perfected and consummated when Jesus returns and takes us with him to be in his presence forever. The light shines in the darkness here and now, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we are a, a chosen race and a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a people for his possession, that we might proclaim the excellency of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But there is a day that is coming that the angels revealed to John that he writes in Revelation 22. He says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Heaven is like going to be an eternal feast of tabernacles. It flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. And the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations, and no longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun. For the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the light of your love that you have made known to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that even though once we walked in darkness, you have brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So now as we come to him through the bread and the wine, we ask, Lord, that you would increase our faith, that you would help us to behold him in the breaking of the bread, and that you would protect us where we need to be protected, that you would guide us in the ways that we need wisdom and, and help. And Lord, that your promises and our inheritance as your people would increase by the riches of his grace. Lord, meet with us here and now. Let your light shine upon us and increase your light within us so that by how we live and what we say and how we relate to you and to one another and to everyone around us, People will see you in us, Jesus. And Father, you would get the honor and glory. Do your name in heaven. Amen.